0: Your reading tonight is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. The word of the Lord. All Souls uh, has now been blessed with 60 children, and uh, some more coming. Uh, not not from us, but some more coming from from you. And uh, I was thinking this week a little bit about how they've kind of become part of our liturgy, our order of service here. Uh, I don't know if you hear it as much where you sit, but uh, whenever the children are let like, go to go to the classes during the prayer, there's kind of a stampede right there when they go up the stairs and then run to the class. And it just I just thought, when was the last time? I was so excited about anything that I ran. <laughs> and then you probably, you may not be able to see, but a lot of times when we worship, a lot of little children will kind of come up there and dance. And it's like they just can't keep from doing it. It's just, it's just beautiful. And then the, the post-service time is the pole there. I don't know if you've noticed. I mean, some churches spend millions on these playgrounds, and this pole... Has created more joy <laughs> for for our kids. <laughs> our kids really provide a lot of joy in our family, and they should. You know, it, it was. It's interesting when you go back and you look at uh, children in the society of the first century uh, that they were not valued uh, really much at all. It's it's really uh, kind of kind of sad. Um, they had the status of slaves. And they were valued for their uh, financial contribution that they could make to the family, farm, or business at some point. There was a very high mortality rate, so parents didn't didn't get attached because there was a good chance your child would would die. Uh, The father of a Roman household had the legal right to actually dispose of a child by putting them out on the street. It was called infanticide, and it was a a very popular process. Some Roman religions were just for men, some were just for women. Judaism had a high regard for children, but did not welcome them into uh, the worshiping life of the community until their bar mitzvah. And rabbis were not supposed to talk with kids at all. Uh, Talking to kids made a list of things that kept rabbis from being effective, according to one quote from the Talmud. Morning sleep, midday wine, chattering with children, and tearing in places where men of the common people assemble, destroy a man. That was the warning to rabbinical students, is keep away from those kids. Now historians tell us that one of the reasons why Christianity grew so rapidly was because it was a family-friendly religion. Children were included in the life of the church. Very countercultural idea at the time. And the idea comes from Jesus. Uh, he's on the road to Jerusalem here, a few days away from his death. He has a lot on his mind. Some parents, probably mothers, knowing mothers, uh, bring their little ones to Jesus for a blessing. The, the disciples try to shield Jesus from the parents seeking this blessing. And again, the disciples... Uh, are just reflecting the way the society thought about kids. You don't bother a rabbi with little kids. But Jesus, who is always showing the deeper meaning of the law, gets angry. He says, no, 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 let them come to me. It's it's little people like this that get into the kingdom. (laughs) Isn't that great? Little people like these kids get into the kingdom. And then he makes this wonderful cryptic statement, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child won't enter it. And then he takes his children into his arms, he lays hands on them, and he blesses them. Now, this passage has been very important to the church, and I think it teaches us two things. The first is that we need to offer hospitality to our kids. We need to welcome them, to embrace them, to remove anything that hinders them from coming to Jesus, and, and Jesus, I think, shows us how, uh, in this little story, he, he begins by just making time for them. Very busy man, last hours of his life, many things on his mind, and when parents bring their children for a blessing, he stops everything to hold a kid. When I when I was thinking about this, I'm just so thankful for, for those of you that have done this so faithfully at All Souls these eleven years. I mean, uh, Lynn Charles and Melanie Leach, and then the ones leading our youth, Patrick King and Joe Morlock and Sean Mauer, and so many of you teach upstairs. I'm just very very thankful for for you. But Melanie Leach, our uh, our, our children's director was talking to pilgrimage this week, and she said something that was very important. She reminded everybody that everybody can be Jesus to, to the kids, that, that we can all look for these little ones and get down on our knees and look them in the eyes and hug them and ask them how their day went and just make them feel at home here. I encourage you to do that. Now, you know, we have a tendency to leave the parenting to the parents. And I think there's a tendency, I know it's, it's in me, that you know, when you've raised kids, we've had the blessing of raising four, you kind of get through that, you think, thank God, <laughs> and you watch the young ones struggle, and it's like, hey, good luck, you know, you know been there, done that, we'll be praying for you. Uh, don't bother me. Um, but I don't think that's the way God designs the, the family of God. You know, in, in earlier eras, parents had the help of an extended family. And many of our parents don't have that gift anymore. Uh, many young parents are in a real bind in that uh, maybe if the wife wants to go to work, then she has to spend a lot of money on to child care, and, and it, it doesn't wash out to be worth it. And it's all sorts of these pressures uh, that are on parents today. And one of the ways I think we could make time for for kids, for children as a church family, is those of us that don't have children could, could find a, a way to to invite these children into our lives. Maybe there's a, a young family in, in your life uh, who you could just offer to babysit for or offer to come by and, and help out a little bit. Those years, of course, are some of the most challenging of of uh, all the years of our lives. Maybe you could become kind of a grandma or grandpa or aunt or uncle for one of these uh, little ones. Maybe you could take them to a ball game. You know, I was thinking, uh, we do a pretty good job, I think, about mentoring children in the city. And that's, you know, I spend a lot of time doing that every week. And that's a good thing. But it doesn't mean that that our families don't need it too. Maybe you could... Uh, teach a a child to fish. Uh, Maybe you could find a family to help support. You know, when we first started the church, one of the things that we talked a lot about was being intergenerational. Um, We said, you know, we don't really want to have a young singles class and a young college class and a young adults class and a young marriage class and a a middle old guy class, and you know, we we didn't want to just kind of chop it all up like that because we felt there was great uh, richness in an intergenerational approach to ministry. Um, and and let me just make this observation: as time has gone on, I think we're starting to drift towards homogeneity. I, I think, and, and I'm not trying to put you on a, on a guilt trip here, uh, well, maybe a little bit, but I'm. Uh, I think it's natural and it's understandable that it's easier for me to be in a group with other 54-year-olds who are dealing with 54-year-old kind of things. And there's a place for that. But I'm not sure that's God's vision for the people of God, is that all the young parents are together and everybody's kind of in their own little same cluster And I wonder if one of the things we could think about together as we go into the next year, Advent starts in in, uh, nine weeks, I wonder if one of the things we could think about is how could we be more of a family to one another? And my sense is that we do a fairly good job with connecting you with a handful of people, maybe not for everybody, hang in there if you're struggling with that, but my sense is that most of us have a handful of people that we're doing life with and that's rich, but then there's another level of connection that I, that I feel like we're maybe missing. That family kind of connection. So think about maybe you could, who could you be an aunt or an uncle to? And just as kind of an aside, I was thinking about this and talking with a few folks, you know, we've been in this Encounters with Jesus series um, since the summer, and I think it's been a good transition. Um, but I kind of feel like we're coming to an end of it now. And what I'm, what I'm thinking is that from, now till, from next week till Advent, I'd like to preach through either a Philippians or 1 John and just kind of dig into one of those two books. I'm not exactly sure which one. Uh, maybe think together a little bit about being more the family of God. If you have a, a thought for me or input on that, email me about uh, where you think we might want to go. But uh, that's just something kind of, kind of on my heart. Um, and one last thought before we leave this. Over the years when people ask me how I think about our church, I I often say this. I I think about us as a monastery with a core of monks and a whole lot of guests. And the guests kind of come and go, and and the monks kind of stay. And that's okay, I think. I think it's part of our calling. We have a lot of people that come in and go to graduate school or come in and move, move to Nashville or something like that. And, and, and that's okay, but I, here's what I've been saying to the Lord. Can we have more monks? <laughs> you know, we had this great talk in our uh, talk about sameness. We have an old guy's small group on Friday at lunch, and you've got to be 50 to get in. Uh, and, and we were talking about aging and, and just how important it is to, to have people to, to do that with uh, a few weeks ago. And, and that's something that I really yearn for us, that we could really be a community where there's enough monks that we can kind of all go through this crazy thing together. So end of uh, footnote 14. Now it gets back to the sermon. Another thing Jesus does is he touches these kids. <laughs> it's just a beautiful scene. And you know I've often wondered I wonder if he did that for, for them or for him. I mean, he's about to die a terrible death, and one of his last tactile experiences are little children on his lap. Maybe he just needed that. And, and you know, I've wondered, what would, what would it have been like to have sat in Jesus' lap? I wonder if those kids, you know, 50 years later, talked about sitting in the lap of the Son of God. It's just such a beautiful picture. But, but today, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm so confused about the touching in children. I mean, every summer when we get ready to coach swimming, we have to take this horrific training video on child sexual abuse. And it is just horrible. And, I'm, I mean, it's, we should take it. It's important to take it. But at the end of it, it's like, I never want to be within six feet of a child. I, you know, I'm going to get arrested. But, but they want to be touched. You know, I'm sitting there on the bus going to a meet, and the older I get, the more veiny my hands get. Do you have that problem? I, I don't know. I mean, these veins are just like popping out. And, and the kids keep grabbing my hands, and, and they pull the veins. And, and they say, you know, does it hurt? Does that hurt? Well, it didn't until you started to rip pull my veins out. And, and I wanted to just go, stop it, stop it. And then I realized... They want to be touched. They just want to be touched. One of our one of our little swimmers, his dad is is not there, lives alone with a mom who has a lot of health issues. Get a text this morning, she just had uh, she's thirty five. She just had uh, open heart surgery. I go over to the hospital and, and talking to her, and uh, that, that, that's the little guy's only caregiver. And this woman is really sick. And I'm just thinking, who, who is hugging this guy? Who's touching him in a healthy way? And I'm thinking, okay, in about three years, the hormones are going to kick in, and if he's not getting touched in a healthy way now, I sure know where he's going to find it, and that never ends well. So there, there is a way that we can, in a healthy way, uh, hug a kid. It's, it's, it's something Jesus models for us. Well, Jesus also prays for these kids. In, in the Greek, in, in Mark, Mark, there's an, an additional preposition or additional word added to the phrase blessing. So it's thoroughly blessed or fully blessed. Jesus bl- really blesses these kids with prayer. Oh, I would have loved to have seen that. What would that look like? I mean he's got his hands on their little heads and he's just he's not just blessing them he's uber blessing these little little guys. Gosh, that's rich. I think praying for kids is really important. Now, this is not an easy world to be a kid. And I uh, I I I know you'll be praying for the, the Bransons this this week as they're their son's having surgery and or going through some tests, and I know that means so much to them. Praying for kids really helps. I think I told you a year and a half ago, two kids were picked up by DCS. The mother had abandoned them, and I got into foster care, and we lost touch with them for a while, found them again, realized that Two children with special needs uh, are really hard to place. They couldn't find long-term care for them. It looked like they are going to be split up uh, and go into two different institutions. And uh, you, you know the statistics. That doesn't end well. So there was uh, a prayer chain that started up. And this prayer text just started whirring around. You pray for these two little guys. its I wrote about one of them. In, I called him Martin, a little story I wrote called Rethinking the $3,000 Mission Trip. And so everybody's praying for for Martin and his little sister. And they love each other. And they keep asking, you're not going to separate us, are you? (laughs) This kid is 10. And my kids were getting up worried about math. He's getting up worried about, A, am I going to have a place to live? And, B, are they going to take my sister away from me? And this little guy is so protective of his sister, it's unbelievable. So we start to pray. And... There just happens to be this uh, young couple in Maryville. They're probably 27. She's a teacher. And and they've been praying about adopting in Africa. And the door just keeps shutting, keeps shutting, keeps shutting. And then finally, a coach on the swim team says, hey, you wouldn't be interested in adopting, would you? Two kids from here, (laughs) they're 27. These kids are now 11 and 9. Very overwhelmed. Long story short, they foster them. They're trying to adopt them, and it looks like it's going to happen. And I got a a picture on my phone of these two little kids who, when I met them, had been left off a bus in Park Ridge alone. The mother disappeared for 10 weeks, and they wandered house to house until somebody took them in, and they were at the beach. I think prayer has something to do with that. I just would love us to be the kind of church where we prayed well for our kids. Where we knew our kids, we prayed for our kids. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the joy of uh, uh, our daughter, Sajin, becoming engaged. Yay! <laughs> and... <laughs> And the reason why we we knew something was up was she um, had taken Lucas, that's the young man, to see Tammy and Barry. And Miss Tammy uh, had cancer early in her life and could not have children. And about 20 years ago, Miss Tammy and Mr. Barry adopted our two little girls. And for almost 20 years, they prayed for them, they wrote them notes, they gave them cards, they came to all their dances, they took them out to eat, they'd go over and bake things and spend the night. And I knew when Sajin drug Lucas to Tammy and Barry that we were getting close. Now, Barry runs Barry's Jewelry. And Sajin made Lucas buy the ring at Barry's Jewelry. And the day of the engagement, I saw Tammy walking in to Friday night, uh, you know, whatever we call that, first Friday, and, and I didn't know when, any the, when this was going to happen. And, and I said, do you know anything? And, of course, Lucas had seen her that day and gotten the ring and was going up to put it on my daughter's finger, and, and she had to just lie to my face, which is a, <laughs> a, a forgivable sin. Um, I can't tell you what it's been like to have a Tammy and Barry. Could you be a Tammy? Could you be a Barry? Do you need a Tammy? Do you need a Barry? You know, it's okay to ask. We did that once. We went to a godly couple. We just said, you know, we're struggling. We need help. Could you spend a little time with us? And they did. we meet on Friday nights once a month for a year or so. The Keyslings were their name. That's something kids do. They ask for stuff. I read an article recently about, I guess on Facebook, they're going to put a dislike button on it. That's kind of creepy. But uh, now you're going to be able to dislike stuff. And, and one lady said, I'm going to, I'm going to dislike it every time somebody gets engaged because I'm single and it makes me mad. I get the hurt that comes from that. But what if you took your singleness at this season of your life as a kind of a gift, as kind of an opportunity to come alongside a family and love their kids? Well, that's the first lesson I think we learn from this little story, is that we need to welcome our children. Make time for them, touch them, pray for them. Now, let's end with the second lesson from this little story. Jesus said we have to be like kids if we're to inherit the kingdom of God. (laughs) Think about that. That is just a, a wild idea. What do we say? Quit being so childish. Grow up. Jesus says, stop growing up. Be childish. What are children like? What does this mean if we're going to cultivate their kind of characteristics? You know, Children trust. They have this natural disposition to trust others. Childrens play. Uh, they, they live in the moment. They're spontaneous. They're carefree. Children dance. They're always moving. Children explore. You ever try to take a brisk walk with a child? <laughs> it's like, wait, Dad, it's a rock. You know, it's a bug. It's a shoelace. You know, it's a dog turd. You know, whatever it is. This is so cool. Have you never seen that before, Dad? You know, it took me about a year and a half to realize that when you take a walk with your kids, you just stop at the first rock and just go kind of hang out. But. Why do we learn that? Why do we lose that? That's so cool to just be so fascinated with a rock. Children are honest with their feelings. They haven't learned to cover up their hurts and frustrations. They have a simple way of grasping biblical truth. Uh, Lynn Charles, who started our children's ministry, teaches a 7 to 11-year-old class. She was saying she'll prepare all week to to get the lesson planned. The kids will look at the material and then say the truth in a simple, profound way that she never could have got to. They just have this inherent grasp of, of spiritual things at this point. It's so beautiful. Uh, a few weeks ago, the kids uh, came down a little late, and we were uh, already through the communion table, and little Xander Easterly was over there, and he just lost it. I don't know if you saw that. He just fell apart. He was very upset, and we said, what's wrong, what's wrong And Amy said, and he said, I didn't get to take communion. It's not fair. And so we ran, we thought we were going to have a blowout. So we ran over and served him communion. And you could say, well, he's young. He doesn't understand. Maybe he's young, so he does understand. Maybe we should be crying when we miss communion. And if you watch, and that, by the way, is the highlight of my service with you, is serving communion, but when the parents come up with their children, and I I serve the parents, a lot of the children will reach for the bread. And I always think they're mimicking mom and dad. But Jesus says, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Maybe they intuitively grasp what it all means better than we do. When did you stop being like a child? Think about that. When did you stop trusting? When did you stop playing? When did you stop dancing? When did you stop exploring? When did you stop being honest about your feelings? When did you stop reading the Bible and just believe in it? <laughs> Jesus calls us somehow to go back to that. And I know it's hard to go back to that, but I think we want to. There's a desire in us to go back to that childlike place. I heard this fascinating podcast about the latest big Trend in book sales, have you heard of this? Is adult coloring books. Which would be good for me, it would be the only way I could color. Um, why? Because we sort of just wants to go back and learn how to play. Something happened this week and Jill saw me, so I'm going to confess it now so she can't use it against me. But uh, sometimes, in the afternoon when I get a little tired in truth, maybe a little stressed and a little worried, I've I've developed a habit. I'm not saying it's a godly habit. I wouldn't recommend it. But there is a jar of animal crackers in the children's room upstairs. And I know where it is. I'm just telling you because Jill would probably tell you anyway. So I found myself just about every afternoon, sneaking in <laughs> and getting a handful of animal crackers. And, and I thought, you know, these don't taste so good. Why do you like them so much? And it's because my mom used to give me animal crackers. Now, this week I was in there and Jill said, Doug Bannister, are you eating the kid's animal crackers? <laughs> and I, I told her I was praying for the children, but... Um, <laughs> I I had crumbs on my face, so it it gave it away. Um, But isn't there something about us that wants to go back to that place? What does it look like? You know, I don't think it looks like that TV show Friends. You know, we watch that from time to time. It's funny. It's cute. They're like children. But they're, they're selfish, and they have no vision beyond their basic needs. I think it might look a little bit more like a a, a classic old book by Dostoevsky called The Idiot. And in The Idiot, he imagines what it would be like for a character to live entirely with childlike faith through the course of his life. And it's fascinating because he turns upside down every situation that he's in. Maybe it could look like this. Maybe tomorrow, when you're making a decision, or you're struggling with something, or you've got a question, or maybe you could ask, "How would a kid do this?" Am I facing this with childlike faith? Well, I want to end now um, by by just introducing you to the word wonder. You know, if there's anything that captures the heart of a child, it's, it's, it's wonder. And I think Jesus is calling us to go back to that place where, where we have this wonder about the world that we're in. And we get up in the morning and we just have this wonder that we're even alive and get to enjoy it in his kingdom. And as we listen to this song we're about to play, maybe you could make it a prayer that God would restore your wonder.